in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 12, and we'll also read in Hebrews, from Hebrews. Matthew records Jesus' words in the section we call the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 7, verse 7, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And then Hebrews, chapter 11. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commanded, commended sorry, as one who, was ple- who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was, fa- he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who is past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so, from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Two readings, one from Jesus and a reminder of our faith. 
Faith is being in having confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. And minded by uh, and reminded by Jesus to ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open to you. Fairly important things to, to bear in mind. Strong words of Jesus. Ask, seek and knock. And the priority of faith. I don't think these are laws, but I think they are pretty strong, um, pretty strong guidance. I don't think I'd have to convince you that if we cooperate with God and what he says, it will be good for us. You'd agree. The God speaks good things. He speaks truth. He speaks wisdom. And that we benefit from them as we take hold of them. And conversely, if we ignore these things, these rules, these uh, perhaps we could phrase them as laws in life, then we know that it won't go so well, that we'll be frustrated and perhaps even harmed. That this is true, that there are, there are principles at work that we may not understand, but we are kind of encouraged to go with them, that if we go against them, they cause us problems. Do you remember Mr. Green Cross Code Man? He's no longer around. This sort of strange... Sorry? Coronova. Over. It's a little sad, isn't it? Mr. Green Cross Code Man. Anyway, I remember Green Cross Code Man, and I was part of the Tufty Club. Does anyone remember Tufty? Do you know, this Karis is sitting on the front row going, this is way over my head. Tufty Club was a club that I remember being part of. I think I was signed up by my, my mum. And it was part of like road sense awareness. And it was very simple. Stop, look, listen. Stop by the curb. Look and listen. I remember being at that age when you, I would ask why a lot. I still ask why a lot, but I was probably incessant at that point. And, uh, and in answer to that question, mum just said, because. You know that answer? Just do it. I didn't really understand trucks and cars and accidents and the impact of impacts. I didn't really understand all the finer details of the highway code and, and what would be good and bad or why it was important. She just said, just do it. Just do it. And later on, I learned why stop look and listen, mattered. Or that other principle at work in life, gravity. For many years, people didn't understand it, and, and only those highfalutin scientists, physicists, mathematicians seem to probably have something understanding it, and gravitational waves are still beyond most of them. We don't need to understand it to know that it works, and that to go against it can cause problems. You know that? sit under a coconut tree, because we have loads of those <laughs> around. You know, there's a high death rate from dropping coconuts and the effect of gravity. Isaac Newton began to understand and his apple tree, and he worked out something of gravity. We don't need to understand it, but the principle still holds. Or that age-old dynamic of Toast that is buttered, which side is it going to fall on? Onto the carpet? Do you have a pop quiz? Uh, 
unbuttered side will fall or the buttered side? Hands up. The unbuttered? Buttered. In your experience? Yeah, it's the buttered side usually, isn't it? I came across some interesting research and someone just said they decided that they had discovered the secret of perpetual motion and it's to do with buttered toast. They said they'd noticed two really similar traits in life that if you drop a cat, it always lands on its feet and when you, uh, toast is dropped, it always lands butter side down. So they suggested if you put a slice of buttered toast, strapped it to a cat's back, buttered side up, and then drop the animal, the two opposing forces would cause it to hover, spinning inches on the ground. And they thought if you had enough toast-laden cats, you could have them on the basis of a monorail system that would float around the entire country of this sort of hovering of toast cat, cat toast. Try it with Minky, yeah. I may have. No, I haven't done it. When we come to the kingdom of God, his ways are true and right, but we, we don't always remember them, but we need to. We need to trust them. We need to exercise faith in holding on to them. In living them, though we may not understand everything about it, and that's the mystery of faith, we may not grasp everything, be able to explain everything, but actually we have to live it like the Tufty Club, stop, look, listen, or knowing that gravity just works, that we live in, a, in an age that is at war with our mind of saying, what will we believe, what will we trust, and so often God is marginalized or sidelined or belittled. And yet, as people of faith, it's important that we don't do that. You see, there are many things in the scriptures in God's kingdom, his ways, his laws, and I don't mean by that just the Old Testament, that aren't our ways. You know that we're we're not treated as we deserve. The principle at work always. We are not treated as we deserve. Did you know that for God, nothing is impossible? That God can take five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000 and still have 12 basketfuls left over. I mean, that isn't what we generally learn, but it's God's ways. Jesus walked on water, not quite our everyday experience, but called Peter out. We need to follow his ways. If we don't, we get in all sorts of problems. Or we're not actually living as citizens of the king, but of a different kingdom. You know, if, if you travel abroad this summer and you hire a car, it doesn't go well for you if you start driving on the right, does it? Um, sorry, the left. <laughs> it depends which country you're in. <laughs> I did hear a justification for why driving on the left was a lot more biblical than driving on the right this weekend, which was kind of interesting, but I won't bore you with that right now. Um, it's good to hear. We may not fully understand the laws of God, but we need to trust them and live by them, to, to follow them, cooperate with them, 
because we're citizens of this kingdom. And I want to focus particularly on this thing of asking and seeking and knocking, and, and particularly in something that crops up a lot, a lot. and it's, it's something to do with the harvest. On, in Lenchwood, there was a, um, a field that, of, of wheat, and, and uh, the farmer was doing some hay, hay um, making, hay bale making, and there was this whole thing of farmer and reaping and sowing, reaping and sowing. We, we know this is a scriptural truth. We, we reap what we sow. Did you know that? We reap what we sow. The Bible tells us that the more that we give away, the more that comes back. And I don't just here want to emphasize that this, I don't want to imply that it's money here I'm talking about. But there's some spiritual principle at work that, that as we give away, we receive more back. Jesus typified this always he gave away he gave away what he had of his uh, of of the love of god the power of god and more was given to him we may not understand everything in it but there are many many examples of this being true the law of the harvest and we've got to kind of put it into practice it's a discipline of faith it's not sort of something that would balance on an accountant sheet of saying in and out, that the more that we give, the more comes back. I don't know if you've experienced that, but it's true. In following what could be called the law of the harvest, we've got to, to recognize that God is the source. God is the source with lots of channels by which he gives to us. There are multiple ways that God is good to us all the time, and he gives us in all sorts of wonderful ways, and at times there are very, very specific things that we can ask for and look to God. I always find this, this, um, this challenge of, of Jesus in Matthew really inspirational, but sometimes a little demoralizing. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I remember reading that as a new Christian and, and kind of um, asking for things and, and it didn't seem to be as immediate as Jesus is saying. But still, these words are stark. We, we need to recognize God is the supply of all things. And the way that he supplies can, can be from all sorts of different places. That if we think God is going to just supply our needs in one way, and again, this isn't just monetarily. If we think that God is going to supply from one place, and we look solely to that, we can miss perhaps another avenue or opportunity of the way that God is meeting with us. L let me illustrate it. Um, Chandra and Shaker, my, my good friends from, from Hyderabad, are uh, due over this weekend. They're coming to, to be with us for a few weeks this summer. And Chandra, growing up, was, was really inspired because she saw her father, John, converted from Hinduism. He was a, a civil servant, a high-ranking police officer, but an alcoholic. And his story of conversion is amazing. I won't go into all of it now, but they knew that what he, when he came home and said, I'm now following Jesus, a different God, 
They were like, oh, well, there's lots of gods. But the reason that they took note was because not only was he living, he was diagnosed with terminal uh, um, cirrhosis of the liver for his stro- from his heavy drinking. But they saw that his, his lifestyle had totally changed. What he said, how he said things, how he treated his wife and the family were completely different. So when he gave up his job as a civil servant and said, I will give my life to you, Jesus. I mean, we've just sung this song. I, um, the, the last song that Karis led us in. That as he said, I want to follow Christ, he gave up his job and he sent, went out and started to church plant. And they, they moved to a village, and they were living in a hut, and there were about, there, I think there were seven children, seven children, six others. And they didn't have much money for food. In fact, very little. And Chandra tells the story that a number of times they would sit under the tree, the mango tree, and they would be fasting. Not because they were being very spiritual, but because that was their only option. And John had said to them, you know, pray to the Lord, ask of him, seek and knock. And he will provide. And the kids were not always of great faith. And they said one day they were praying and hungry and praying and trying to not hear their rumbling stomachs. And they hadn't had food for two days. And then one of the children pointed and said, look at that crow. And they looked and the crow that had settled across the compound, had a five-rupee note in its mouth. And one of the elder brothers said, shall I throw a stone at the crow, Dad, to make it drop the note? (laughs) Proper boy. And the dad said, no, if it's God's will that we should have that, the bird will drop it for us. And the bird did. And they ate and were thankful. I don't think they set out that morning thinking, God's going to send a crow with our dinner money. But they were praying and saying, Lord, you're our provider. You are the one. As we cry to you, you are the supply of everything that we need. However you want to do this, please do it. Ask, seek, and knock. Now, they they don't have a regular supply of crows. And they've had times of need. But they know that they're not just to look to the crow, but to the Lord. That God has always provided for them. And and as I've journeyed through life as a Christian now, 20-something years, again and again it's true that we ask and we seek and we knock and we look to God, not necessarily assuming how he's going to fill that need, but he has pledged to do it. Often it's through a different way than it has been before, but just let God, just let God. He will supply our need. The Lord of the harvest has another part to it, and it's this. Whenever I have a need, I plant a seed. 
I mean, that seems a little bit strange. You know, we've got our need. Why do we need to give away before we receive? There's something about God's nature, about generosity, about giving, about this sense of, of giving from our limited resources, from even the, what we would say we have as a small thing. It's not very much, but give it away, looking to God, trusting God as an act of faith, as an expression of worship, that this principle of the kingdom works that what we give away, he gives back in greater measure. When we have need, look to give away something. And it's contrary to the way the world says. We, we don't do it like this, but this is kingdom. It goes against our nature. It seems illogical, but in kingdom ways, it's not. If I'm out of money, why should I give it away? If I'm out of time, why should I spend more time on something else? If I don't have any energy for a relationship, why should I give more energy away? Because it's in that giving that faith is demonstrated. When we have a need, it's a little bit catchphrase, isn't it? I know, but plant a seed demonstrates faith. And that God gives back. I mean, the principles are there. Someone illustrated it like this. When you go and give blood, I remember giving blood the first time at university and thinking, as a pint kind of slipped out of my arm, I'm kind of running on a short tank now, aren't I? And they tell you, have a cup of tea or a glass of water. You'll be fine. And a bit lightheaded. But what happens? You, you get more blood, doesn't it? It just... We, our bodies make more. As we give it away, more comes. If we didn't give it away, it wouldn't have come. That's weird, isn't it? But as the blood is given, you end up with more than you had before. There's something about this that as we give away in faith in the principle of, of the harvest, God replenishes. Faith is like a seed. And it's got to be deposited. Remember that little boy in the feeding of the 5,000? He had, he had his little packed lunch, John tells us, five loaves and the fish. I like to think he gave them away, but maybe the disciples took them. I don't know. We're not told. But the, but the boy gave what he had to Jesus. Jesus takes it, breaks it, blesses it, uses it. And that's what God does in our lives. He takes us. He breaks us, he blesses us, and he uses us, and he multiplies because of the one seed that was planted, a harvest. See, that's the third thing that we just have to grasp, that we expect, because God is the great farmer, that he makes a harvest. We look to God, the source of all things, we plant the seed, and we begin to expect a harvest. We don't work ourselves up and kind of like a Christmas day morning kind of oh, but in simplicity and quietness, trusting our Heavenly Father. Which of you, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or which of you, if your child asks for fish, will say, ha ha, here's a snake? Not at all. And we who are so broken and so fragile and so messed up know how to treat our children. How much more him? You see, feeling hasn't got anything to do with it. We don't sort of work ourselves up into a frenzy. We trust the Lord in what he has said 
and act on it. And he works it out. God, you're the source of my supply. What I have I need, I'm going to plant. And we expect. We trust. We have faith. Does he respond because I deserve it? No. We can expect because of who God is. And we can expect God to answer our request, to fulfill the promise, to provide the harvest from that which we, that small thing that we've given away and we've planted and we've, we've trusted to him. We look to him because he's trustworthy and faithful and always can be depended on. Faith is being sure or certain of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Chapter 11 of Hebrews is, is full of those characters who heard, put their faith in him, and started to give away. They started to act on what he said. Abraham and Sarah, elderly and childless, but God gave them a son. Joseph imprisoned and without hope, hope, and yet he trusted God, and God lifted him up and fulfilled all the promises that were given. Mind this, God isn't the vending machine or the genie or the, the quick fixer. He's not our servant, but he is the loving father. The loving father who loves to prove the principles that he's laid out in scripture. Through the example of the scriptural uh, our family members who've gone before, who've got the guts to say, I'm going to give when I don't have it whether it's ministry-wise or time-wise or money-wise or energy-wise or idea-wise or caring-wise, when I haven't got it in my resource bank, yet I will give to God. He can have it. Just begin to look for what he will do. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks will find to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you have them do to you. For that sums up the law and the prophets. You see, God, God is waiting to do Wonderful things that we can't imagine in our ordinary lives. Not just over there, but here. God is wanting to do the immeasurably extraordinary in you and I, in our church, in our time. I guess the question is, do we trust the principle, the principle giver of being confident hopeful in stepping out. I hope so. I really hope so. I know you do too. Let's pray. Father, as we dwell on these things, trust in you. In the quietness, would you would you bring your petitions, your requests with thanksgiving? Ask and seek and knock for a loved one, for a circumstance, for our church and our witness.
Would you cry out to the Lord, quietly or vocally, 